NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. The numbers told the story they always do. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. No Gil Alexander today. Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for him today. And uh, we have another hour on the way. We are presented by BetMGM here on a numbers game. And a lot of good conversations. So let's start out in Portland. Didn't really actually go there. Uh, the NBA world is here. And, of course, uh, a lot of different people who have a lot of different connections are here. Dana Barang, uh, who works out in Portland, host on 1080 The Fan in uh, Portland, does do a great job covering the Trailblazers, has really good connections within the organization, has talked to quite a few people. And we got to talk to him the other day about what he thinks is going to happen with Damian Lillard. And we opened the conversation about just the thought of him being in a Trailblazer uniform once the season begins. Last year at the Summer League, mm-hmm. uh, right, we had Kevin Durant demand the trade. Everybody thought, hey, where's he going? Toronto, Phoenix. It ends up playing his first regular season with Brooklyn. We know how it goes. Yep. Your thoughts on potentially having Damian Lillard be a Portland Trailblazer once the season begins? It's not impossible. It's genuinely it's not impossible. I don't think it's the most likely scenario, but it's, it's, that's, not a, that's not a box that you can't check. Um, Damian Lillard is not James Harden. He is not Ben Simmons. He is not one of these guys that is going to glass the earth on his way out. He lives in Portland, Oregon. Enough. (laughs) In the suburbs. He wants to be a part of this organization when all things are all said and done. He made his career there. His family is there. His kids were born there. So he's not going to go put on the fat suit, eat all the wings with, you know, a little baby down at Magic Mountain or or Magic City, (laughs) Magic Mountain, uh, and go completely buck wild. That's not what he's going to do. He's going to good soldier it. It's going to be awkward if it reaches that point, but he's not against that possibility in the sense of it's impossible to see him back on the roster on opening day. Because if, if the Miami offer doesn't increase, I just don't see a world where Joe Cohen and the Trailblazers can acquiesce. It's just, it, there's just not enough there. So are we at the point now, because you said the Miami offer, is that it? Is it just the Miami offer? You know, there are the vague threats of, hey, don't trade for him. He wouldn't report. Hey, he'd be unhappy. Is it really just Miami and nobody else that has, like, some staying here where they could offer something to get him? I think there's a couple different teams. I think you could see New Orleans in the mix. I think you could see uh, Philadelphia in the mix. I think you could see Utah in the mix. But they're not going to come out of the gate and do it because they're, they're, uh, every team is going to wait this out. Yeah. The only team that wants to speed this up at all is Miami just so they can have their offseason under control. But what's we'll we're, we're July, what, July 9th? Yep. Opening night is October 25th. That is, in sports terms, my God, the things that can happen between the first week of July and the middle of October. What if something blows up somewhere else in the meantime? Mm -hmm. What if some team makes some trade and they go, hey, you know what? We're one piece away. Or, 
oh no, our piece just left. We have to reset. What if they can't get anything for James Harden and he's it, it just becomes so toxic. They have to let him go and they're worried about Joel Embiid leaving next season. Now they're working some three-team deal or heaven forbid they preemptively move on from Joel Embiid. Not that that would ever happen, right. but like, I've seen too much wild stuff happen that no, that'll never happen until all of a sudden get to that point of so this is not going to be a slow or a long or a short process. This is going at bare minimum. This is going six weeks. So this is why I think it's fascinating. So we can see right there. If you have a preview graphic, we can see that the, the betting markets out there, the heat are the odds on favor to land Damian Lillard minus mm-hmm. 275. Next choice is trailblazers at plus 550. They actually just in the last few days surpassed the Celtics. The Celtics were actually the second choice for mm-hmm. a while. I'll ask you about two teams on here. First of which is the Celtics. What is that? Because every I have not read information that explicitly says the Celtics are interested. I think it's like markets just connecting a, hey, you know, last sure. season didn't end really well. Uh, they need a better player. It's got to be Damian Lillard, but I haven't seen anything concrete that says the Celtics are interested. I think you're drawing like you're going full Charlie Day. Yeah, you know, right. It's always sunny, but I, I think it's a little not quite that messy yeah. because Jalen Brown has a $300 million, $300 million deal basically in mm-hmm. front of him. Why hasn't he signed it? Yeah. And I don't think that's the Celtics. I think that's Jalen Brown. There's been rumblings about Jalen not being happy in Boston for some time. He can get that deal anywhere else. But now... Portland, too? I mean, yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, I don't think... If there's a a deal done between Portland and Boston, Mm -hmm. where Dame ended up in Boston, I don't think Jalen Brown would end up in Portland. I think that would be a situation where you'd see something like a Houston pop up, and Jalen Brown gets routed to Houston, and all of a sudden it's FVV, it's Dylan Brooks, it's Jalen Brown, and you take the kids. You take Tari Eason, you take Jabari Smith Jr., you route them to Portland, and now Portland's got Scoot, Shaden, Jabari, uh, uh, Tari Eason, and you're like, oh, this makes sense for everybody involved. Now, I'm not saying that's likely, but those are the kind of scenarios that I think they're – People are trying to work through, and the other front offices are looking at. It. They're trying to evaluate what's going to go, going on there. It's, it's, it's interesting as the odds are sitting right now with, with the Heat as the favorite. It, it, if for me, and this is not me giving gambling advice, if you're giving me Miami or the field, I'm taking the field. Yep. Well, and that's so. The important part about these two is it's structured as where will he play his next regular season minute. So, mm-hmm. like that's the if, of course in terms of what's going to happen with him sticking around is going to be fascinating. The other team too. So I've made this case a lot. So I'm a Clippers fan and I follow the team pretty closely. Well, I don't understand why the Clippers would be ahead of Philadelphia. They, they have next to nothing to offer. No, but they, they there is no notes about there about the Knicks and Clippers trying to get a three-way deal done for Damian okay. Lillard on draft night. Yep. So I, I heard that the Knicks were trying to move Paul George, who's a CAA client. I mean, again, discussions do not elevate Correct. to this is a done deal. Like yep. Everybody's trying to see what value is for guys. Paul George ends up in New York. Damian's up in L.A. The R.J. Barrett poo-poo platter that the Knicks have tried shopping of like, oh, but you can have him. And it's like, well, if R.J. Barrett's your headline of your deal, you're probably not doing great. But you're talking about like Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, who's now no longer in New York. So maybe it's Miles McBride and the, the post of picks that they have. But that deal already is even if I, if I have to plug my nose a little bit, that's still better than anything Miami's remotely put on the table. Yep. So uh, the Clippers are in this interesting position because they have these salaries that in Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, Norm Powell, that they equate to a star level salary, but the talent going out and the picks that they no longer have because they, I mean, they, they shot everything at the Paul George, Shea Gilders, Alexander trade with, with yep. OKC. So the equity there, that's where it gets weirder. You need that third team, not necessarily for game, you need it for the equity coming back. And that's the same thing with Miami. It's the same thing with Philadelphia. Portland doesn't want Tyrese Maxey. 
they've got Anthony Simons, they've got Shane Sharp, they've got we we've got it at home. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like we we don't want to kick that can again. So that's the the I think the difficult thing in all of these deals is who's the third, fourth, or even fifth team in how this all plays out. So the interesting name that obviously popped up too was at least the report that he would have interest in playing for San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And that's when you start to get to like there's other names in the second column where it's like San Antonio and Utah. Those mm -hmm. are two teams that timeline wise doesn't really match what Dame wants. Sure. But asset wise, it matches what Portland wants. Is 100%. there anything realistic with either of those two teams? I think that Dame would be open to the idea of them with some convincing. Obviously, it's a one team only horse race between him and his camp and the Blazers right now with Miami. But I, I, I know very well that Dame does respect Greg Popovich. Yeah, he time with Team USA and that organization's commitment to winning through everything with the exception of Tanky for the last couple yeah, of years yeah. that ultimately ends in the Wemby sweepstakes. But the opportunity there for them to go out and everyone's like, well, why would the Spurs do this? They already did this once with David Robinson and Tim Duncan. Like, Tim Duncan and, and David Robinson were not the same age. You had a rookie-scale Hall of Fame talent yep. and an, a Hall of Fame caliber player in front of him. It won titles. We, we've seen this play out. So the Spurs being like, well, three or four years of this, why would they do it? Because you could win a title. If you paired Dame with Victor Wembanyama, let's say he has a Tim Duncan-like impact, you've got cap space. Mm -hmm. If you're looking at that, it's Greg Popovich, it's the Spurs, it's Dame, it's Wemby, and you know they've got money, if you're a star, look, I don't care if San Antonio is not this, this, this place that you have to live or desire to live. Do you want to win? And that's what we're seeing with this new CBA. You have to make a choice. Do you want the money or do you want to win? And so that landing spot, I think, for that point of view, makes sense. Uh, the Jazz, Dame played at Weber State. As much as he's stars don't go to small markets, Dame has a familiarity with that market, and he has said openly, if I didn't play in Portland, Utah and L.A. are two places I would like to play. Yep. The uh, guy in charge there, Danny Ainge, pretty good at dealing for stars. Will Hardy is a very young but very well-respected coach. And Dame is, again, I know what Dame has told me, and I know what is out there in public. Dame does not need to go play for a super team. If you give him, this is a guy who had Al Farouk Amino and Maurice Harkless. He thought he could take those guys to an NBA title. That's that's not like, yep. that's not me just like, oh, he thought this, that's kind of playing around. No, he thought this. This is what he believed in his heart of hearts. That's how he's wired. You give him real dudes, he'll get it done. There's a good conversation. Danny knows a lot uh, when it comes to the Portland Trailblazers, painting an interesting conversation. Like, look, I think at the end of the day, the takeaway too is if a team like San Antonio wants to make it happen, Kelly, and decides to sacrifice the assets to go do it, I don't think they would. Damian Lillard is going to go play for them. And I think it's a really good way to paint it too because I, I was initially in the camp of why would San Antonio do that? What's the point? There is a scenario, as Danny points out, that they could actually put together a contender somewhat quickly if they were to go and get one Damian Lillard. They are what, 18 to 1 to land his services. Yeah. I don't I think it's going to happen, but it's more realistic than I thought it was when those rumors first came out. I get it with both them and Utah. I don't think I don't think either will happen. Because I, I think that regardless, I think Portland would be a little even if they're even if they're you know, pretty significantly better packages. I think they'd be a little hesitant of shipping him within the Western Conference still. And, and, and you know that you're doing 
you're not doing it all with Damian Lillard asked, right? It is, it's trashing him pretty bad. So I, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that I think those odds are very appropriate on them. Yeah, I think so. I think it's not going to happen. Just made a little bit more sense than I initially thought. By the way, we get the report. Was it yesterday or early this morning? Um, if the Clipper, the Clippers and Celtics had shown more interest in Damian Lillard, would he play for them? No. Like, stop. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Yeah, come on. You're, like, that's not that's not, not going to happen. Whoever gets him, if it's not Miami, is going to get Damian Lillard. He's going to appear. He's going to play. And that's the other part, again, with the 76ers that doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to play with Joel Embiid. Like, yes, you would. Yes, you would. It would be your best teammate you've ever had. I was just going to say, if we just throw the down the road out, out the window, what's the best team, the team that would benefit the most from Damian Lillard next season? The Boston Clippers. or Philly? The Clippers. The Clippers, of course. Yes. Of course. <laughs> as long as they keep fourth, the uh, greatest Clipper of all time, Terrence Mann. That's all that matters. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll hear more uh, out of the summer league. Yovan Buha got to talk to him yesterday about the Lakers offseason. When we come back, we have plenty more to get to, including news in the fight world that I think is somewhat interesting and also kind of weak. We'll talk about why when we return here on the numbers game. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. A numbers game on VSEN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, check out vcin.com. we got a lot of tools to help you out. One of them is the betting splits. You get money and bets for every game. These are, of course, DraftKings numbers updated every 10 minutes. You can check out today's games, future events, and more. It's one of the many tools at your disposal up at the website. Check all of them out now at vcin.com. So I was, uh, I was looking at some news this morning, and uh, we do get it official. Kelly Bidlin. Uh, I know Ariel Hawani noted this last week, uh, but it is 100% confirmed. Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou will take place, quote, under the official rules of professional boxing. Three judges ringside adopting the 10-point must system. Uh, both fighters, however, promising to meet in the middle of the ring, go to war, win by knockout in devastating fashion per release. It's also going to take place in a regulation boxing ring under the standard of boxing rules. An agreement has been reached, blah, blah, blah. So it's going to get Francis Ngannou, Tyson Fury, Saudi Arabia on October 28th. So this is the big stuff, you know, news of the morning. I will say this. I think it's kind of lame because for those who don't remember, Tyson Fury had some great comments about like, hey, you know, you put me in a dark room with, I think it was John Jones and you know, I'm coming out. So media was like, all right, let's cool. Let's fight a box. Let's fight an MMA match. Like that's, that's what it is, right? In a room, no holds barred. Let's go. MMA is no holds barred. Let's fight. Nah, I don't know about that. Instead, let's bring an MMA fighter over to boxing yet again, and let's chicken out. Let's have no stakes at all. I hope yep. Francis Ngannou gets paid, and it looks like he's going to. A lot of people uh, will watch this thing. But 
I, like I've always had this thing with boxing where boxing itself, you always do this, right? You always set up your best fighters. You never really put them in dangerous situations in terms of, you know, fights with stakes. And then here you are again, one of the, you know, most renowned boxers in the world right now runs his mouth about, hey, I could take on any of you in a, in a, in a room. And then, of course, it's, well, actually, let's fight in a regulation boxing match in which nothing's really at stake and you're coming to my place. Like, no, one of you, one of you go out there and do this. <laughs> one of you go out there. All of these MMA fighters have come to boxing, and I get it. You get paid, and it's good for you. One of you, if you're really going to talk this much, go fight in a mixed martial arts match. See what happens. Yeah, I'm so over these. I am so over these. Uh, I, I, I mean, really, ever since. Hey, look, Connor, the Connor one was great with with Floyd. Like that was. We obviously all talk about what, it being one of the greatest betting moments in history. But now that these have continued with the Jake Pauls of the world, and now like the, even this, like I. I love Tyson Fury. I love Francis Ngannou. I like I like watching each of them fight in their respective sport. I don't I don't care about this at all. JT. Yeah. I, I really I really doubt I'll be watching this. I, it's like you said. I get it. If, if there was a lot of trash talk, it'd be a little bit. The first one, like you're hinting at, the first time we ever set up one of these where it's in an octagon. Let me know and I'll tune in for that. Sure. I, I don't really care about this though. Yeah, I, and we we are. I was just read up. Still, still unclear on number of rounds and whether the fight will count towards professional boxing records. Or oh, not. it's not. Uh, I'm, it's, I'm, okay, I was going to say. No, I'm, sure no, no, I'm not saying that as a fact. I'm saying that as somebody who is like, you would never. Fury would not risk it. Yeah, I'm the, sure it bo- won't. So it it really is meaningless. It doesn't matter. Um, it's and yeah, it will still get a ton of pay per view numbers though, and uh, and do great because all these continue to do well. I'm just not one of the people who'll be watching them. Yeah, that's that's my complaint about it. It's the same thing every time with boxing. It's just put some stakes behind it. Let's see. And, you know, like it's a heavy it's going to be heavyweight. Obviously, these two dudes are massive. Uh, but in terms of what's actually going to be at stake, you know, that's it. And also, we'll see. Also, we'll with some of these things that develop, like I don't care whether it's it's this or some of the matches in golf, not that a lot of trash talk has led to those, but like put your own money on the line. I'll watch that. You know what I mean? If each one of those guys wants to put up 100K or something like that, I'm down to watch that a whole lot more, JVT, instead of knowing that both of them are still going to get paid something for doing this. Uh, first odds that have appeared, Tyson Fury, minus 700, Francis Ngannou, plus 450. So, Sounds about right, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I would say, too, uh, you could make the argument, I think, that uh, Fury at minus 700 is probably a little bit of a steal. Like, I get it. Yeah, you have, I was going to say, if anything, it's probably light. Right? <laughs> right, just given the fact that, again, like people, I, I think there's still a thought, right? A lot of people did come in and bet Conor McGregor to win against Floyd Mayweather, and that price got insanely cheap. But I think when you're looking at it from that perspective, I, I still think people are going to look at Ngannou and go, oh, he could knock him out with a single blow. Mm, maybe. And I, that's this is not going to be the same as McGregor Mayweather, but you do wonder if that's going to start to creep down again. If this was once it becomes a little bit more uh, closer to fight time, and if you get under like five dollars on Tyson Fury, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I might be interested if that if that if that happens. I I have a feeling it's going to go the other way. <laughs> I think people learned from the learn from those uh, those fights before. It's yeah. Power drill day again in the studio. If you can hear it at home, I was powering through. I wasn't going to say. <laughs> well, I was told from downstairs when they're hearing it loud and clear. Oh, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Because the thought was that maybe that you guys didn't hear it, you guys, like you guys and gals listening. So I, I did not think that you would hear it. I wasn't. I was trying to be a pro. You know what I mean? Yeah, we always enjoy it. you. Hey, you were. I, I, I just figured I'd mention it as you get. Yeah, we get construction uh, regularly on this show. What, they, what do you reason. think they're doing? No idea. This has been like two weeks now. I have I no idea. You think they're trying to break into the studio? 
<laughs> I don't think so. Iga in trouble, by the way. Down 4-1 in the third set. Do you know what the pre-match odds were here? No, I don't. All right, we'll find them. We'll find them. She was a big favorite, though. I mean, and this is your your favorite on the futures board, looking like she's about to go down. Either way, Tyson Fury, $7 favorite, kind of lame. Stop ducking. Go fight an MMA match. If you're going to say, if you're going to say you can go into a dark room with John Jones and come out, then go into an octagon and do it. Tired of it. Let's go. I, uh, You know what? I'm not the best. We'd have to ask Sherwood about this because he's a combat sports guy, Jordan Sherwood. Yeah. I wonder if it's like, because um, my thought was, if a boxer went to MMA versus an MMA fighter going to boxing, is the skill gap wider, right, from a boxer going to mixed martial arts where you can go to the floor? Oh, hell yeah. Right, you know what I mean? Oh, As opposed we, yes. to a boxer, an MMA fighter going to yeah. boxing where there's at least an element of stand-up there where in mixed martial arts boxing, there's no element of going to the ground. Oh, yeah, I, I don't even think it's close. Or kicking. That, that's, or, why, yeah. that's why I don't think we'll ever see one of those. I mean, they, even the guys that are the, even the UFC fighters that are the greatest stand-up artists that we've ever seen still have the ability to defend on the ground. They have the ability to move on the ground. We're, we're never going to see a boxer go into the octagon with one of these guys. Yeah. They'd get destroyed. Yep. All right, with that, uh, it is the halfway point of Major League Baseball's season, and we do have uh, quite a bit up here in terms of updates for what the next half is going to entail. Now, there's still odds up, of course, for a lot of different stuff, uh, including odds to have most regular season wins. Updated at this point of the halfway mark, uh, it is, of course, the Atlanta Braves, uh, heavy favorites to finish with the most wins in the regular season at minus 330. As it currently stands right now, Braves have 60 wins compared to the Tampa Bay Rays at 58. I think that is, I will say it is somewhat surprising to see such a heavy price tag on the Braves at minus 330. Look, it's an extremely deep team. I think if you're looking at the makeup of the National League as a whole in comparison with what the American League and the Rays division is going to look like, I get that they would be favored. But minus 330 uh, for a team that has a two-win gap over the Tampa Bay Rays is somewhat surprising, Kelly. I thought that really stuck out to me. I don't know if you're going much deeper than that. You would re- need a really good tear from a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers yeah. to get this thing. So I think you're going between those two. Uh, and I get that the Braves are going to be uh, very, very solid favorites uh, the rest of the way against the vast majority of their opponents, depending on pitching matchups. But I was surprised to see minus 330 for a team to have most regular season wins for Atlanta, given they only have two more wins than the next team behind them. Yeah, only two more wins, but you've got Ray's got six more losses, right? So yes, there, there, there is that that difference there. I don't. Those odds feel a little. Uh, they, I don't know about you. Those ones feel fairly accurate to me, and I don't. The mo, the most wins one's never as fun as the fewest wins one, right? JBT. Yes. I mean, the A is right here. We got minus 180. They got 20. They're 25 and 67. Uh, now, who could catch them? The Royals up next. I mean, Royals. they're, they're 26 yeah. and 65. You're only talking about one more, uh, one and a half uh, game difference there. Yeah, and te- that and uh, what's it like? Is it 10 losses between them <laughs> and the uh, the Rockies? Yeah, 10 uh, losses. Yeah, 10 loss difference between them and the Rockies. Dude, the, and here's the thing with the athletics. You look at some of these numbers for them, too. A negative 248 run differential at this point of the season <laughs> for incredible. the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> like, it, man. It is bad, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. I I would understand maybe wanting to look at Kansas City, but Oakland has nothing going for them at this point in any way, shape, or form. And in almost every statistical category, they are a bottom like three, four team in Major League Baseball. Yeah, 
I wouldn't feel comfortable looking anywhere else at this point right now. By the way, the number of teams to lose 100-plus regular season games as it stands right now, uh, three teams are the odds-on favorite at minus 115. You can get two at plus 235, four at plus 250, and then you get to the real long shots. You know, only one at 40-1, to one, five or more 50-1, to one, and then none, uh, which I would uh, very much not want to look at. This uh, this is interesting because yeah. you've, got, you've got Royals and A's. Yes. 67, 67 losses for the A's, 65 for the Royals. But then you've got five teams with 50-plus losses yes. right now. like Cardinals, Rockies, Nationals, and who am I missing right now? Let's see. You have uh, – we already said the Royals. Yeah, that's it. So that's the other ones that we're talking about, right, with 50-plus losses. T- Tigers, White Sox. Oh, did I say Tigers? Yeah. Excuse me. Yes, Tigers, right. White Sox, Cardinals, Nationals, Rockies. Yep. So I don't – that one could be I – don't, I don't – like four? It wouldn't take a lot for four to get home. Yeah. I think that's why you see that gap, though, from four to one. It's a pretty wide right, gap because right, right. after that, yeah, yeah. there's a steep drop-off. All right, when we return, Jovan Buha, we're going to talk to him about the, what the Lakers offseason looked like, some of the weaknesses for a team that a lot of people think really won free agency. A numbers game on VSEN, the sports betting network. Football season's here. And we've got just the thing for you. Our NFL betting guide. Our NFL betting guide is going to get ahead of the upcoming NFL season. It gets profiles of every team, including advanced stats, proven betting systems, proprietary betting trends, and more. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today for as low as $19. Get your newly released NFL betting guide or take advantage. Summer kickoff special through the Super Bowl. You get everything we do for $175. Sign up today at vsin.com slash subscribe. All right, let's head back out to, to Summer League. Jovan Buha, awesome writer, used to cover the Clippers, now does work uh, covering the Los Angeles Lakers for The Athletic. I, I thought this was a great conversation because the Lakers are widely considered to be the winner of the offseason, but not a perfect team by any stretch. And, and Jovan did a great job of breaking down what some of those pathetical, the hypothetical weaknesses are and that the team not done adding maybe here at the uh, offseason. Let's look at the big picture because that's what everybody wants to look at. The Los Angeles Lakers themselves as they head into next season and the storylines with them. So really active, uh, really successful offseason for the most part, right? Resign Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell, signed Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, Jackson Ace, Cam Reddish. Uh, I was reading a report by you. I think you had it just yesterday. You were talking to Rob Palenka, had a media availability, said that they're not done adding size. Who are the candidates to add to the roster right now? Because uh, is it Bismarck Biango and Christian Wood? Yeah, so. Uh, two sli- different guys. Well, slim pickings right now, <laughs> yeah, right? So yeah. we're deep in a free agency. But we're almost two weeks in. And uh, at this point, the Lakers have 13 guys. The plan is to have 14 and, and leave an open roster spot uh, that they can, you know, sign a guy in the buyout market or acquire an extra guy in a trade, just having that flexibility with the 15th roster spot. We saw them use that ultimately with Tristan Thompson uh, at the end of the season and brought in a a veteran leader who actually gave them some good minutes in that Denver series against uh, Nikola Jokic. So I think for them, the the plan is just signing another center. If you look at the group right now, the one kind of hole in the rotation is the center spot behind Anthony Davis, where it's just Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes. And most teams carry at least three centers, if not four, uh, in the modern NBA despite center maybe losing some of its importance right. uh, in recent years. So I think for them, uh, Christian Wood uh, averaged 17 and seven last year in Dallas. I think the, the two knocks on him are his defense. He's a below average defender. And then he has changed you know, team to team seemingly every year, seven teams in seven seasons. Uh, and it kind of wears out his welcome in places. And of course, Dallas, you know, not interested in re-signing him. So I think th- there's got to be some concern there just in terms of 
what, why does no one want to keep him? And then Bismack Biombo, uh, older guy in his 30s, uh, but you know, really good rim protector, uh, good rebounder, good screen setter, kind of just that dirty work, uh, hard-nosed, tough guy that I think most teams need off the bench. So I think either guy could provide a, a, you know, a need. I think with Christian, it's if AD misses 20, 25 games, mm -hmm. you have a guy who can step in and be that starting center and, and kind of hold his own. With Bismack, I think you, you kind of get some of that rim protection that just to you know, not let the sink uh, or the ship sink defensively, which we saw happen a lot last year when AD was off the floor. So either way, I, I'd probably prefer Biombo if I'm the Lakers. Right. Uh, I just think they need more defense and rim protection with this group. Uh, I think I trust Biombo a little bit more than Wood. Uh, but uh, it sounds like, based on Rob Polinka's comments, they want someone different than Jackson Hayes, which probably would be Christian Wood because he can stretch the floor. Jackson Hayes is more of a, a rim, runner, uh, rim runner, lob threat, etc. Because they were sniffing around. Was it Darius Arch at one yeah. point, right? Dar Darius Arch was another candidate, and then he ended up signing with Golden State. Yeah, and that would fit a little bit more of the Wood. Wood kind yeah. of profile. I, I covered Christian Wood actually when he was out here at UNLV for a while. So that's kind of followed him quite a bit, right? Yeah. The, the wearing out the welcome and maybe the work ethic thing has been there, but the talent's there. So if somebody can bottle it up, maybe it's a front office like the Lakers. So overall, when we're talking about building depth at center, expanding that out, you had a note in that, I think it was in that piece. Are, are they going to go back to maybe more two, like, two big lineups? Because last year I was looking over some of the numbers of cleaning the glass. I think it was less than 50 possessions with Anthony Davis at power forward. But that was the lineup that kind of led them to a title back in 2020 in the bubble was a dual big thing and having Anthony Davis play more at the four. So is that an expectation? This year, Lakers, two uh, two bigs in the front court. So publicly, they're saying that, uh, but I'm skeptical okay. just because, one, uh, as we just laid out, they have two bigs on the roster. Yep. So it's hard to play a two-big system when you have two, two bigs. Yeah. <laughs> you probably need at least four to, to play more of that system. Um, I could see more two-big lineups. I don't think Jackson Hayes has proven himself to be a rotation player, let alone a rotation player for a contender. So to vault, uh, you know, vault him into the starting lineup, and say, you know, this is our starting center, right. starting power forward next to AD. I think that's a stretch to me. I think the starters are going to be AD, Rui Hachimura, LeBron James, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell. Okay. Uh, so those are the five guys right now I've, I've penciled in. I think Austin, LeBron, and AD are, are locks, of course. Um, but I think you could see more two big lineups, and I think adding a third big allows you to kind of get away with that. Uh, but again, Anthony Davis with his track record, has missed at least 25 games each season in LA. So you know at some point he's probably gonna miss some time. And you know, at that point, I don't think you can get away with the two, but you're, you're not gonna start Bismack Biombo and, and Jackson Hayes or Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes. It just doesn't really make sense. So I think you're actually gonna see a lot of smaller lineups again, where Rui Hachimura at the five, LeBron James at the five, maybe even some Jared Vanderbilt against certain second units. A lot of bench units, you can kind of get away with some of those smaller lineups. So um, it's also been kind of a thing that the Lakers have said, they said it last year, they said it the year before, two big lineup, two big lineup. And like, they just haven't found the right centerpieces to fit alongside AD. You know, maybe Jackson Hayes is that guy. He's young, he's athletic. Uh, maybe the Lakers can find some untapped potential there, but uh, consider me skeptical that right. they're gonna go back to this too big look because they've been saying that for a while. How much of the moves when it comes to center are thinking forward and knowing that maybe potentially down the road again, you're gonna have to get through Nikola Jokic at some point? It's a big part of it, and, and that's where I think this roster is far from done. Uh, I expect the Lakers to be active at the trade deadline again. I expect them to be active on the buyout market, depending on who becomes available. But I, I suspect uh, whether it's Biombo or Wood, 
you're still going to have a hole there with, with Biombo. I think it's going to be on the offensive end. With Wood, it's going to be on the defensive end. So you, you still don't have the perfect center rotation. And again, maybe Jackson, you know, AD stays healthy or Jackson Hayes exceeds expectations and you kind of feel comfortable there. But barring that, yeah. I think they are going to have to find a center upgrade or, or a big upgrade at some point in the season. Uh, and then also, you know, is D'Angelo Russell kind of part of this future? Because he really struggled in that Denver series. I don't see anything that's going to suggest he's not going to struggle again the deeper you go in the playoffs. So is he someone they look to flip at the trade deadline? Maybe for a couple of pieces, you go for another big and maybe a guard, promote Gabe Vincent to the starting lineup. So I think they have a lot of optionality with what they can do. But um, I think I don't think they're done. Like, I don't think this roster is the roster you're going to see post-February trade deadline. So that dynamic of point guard, I wanted to go there really quickly. So you mentioned projected starting lineup. Again, this is very rough at this point. What is it, July 10th? Mm -hmm. Maybe Russell. Um, I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that. So what is the expectation for Gabe Vincent as he comes in to this team this year? Is it to eventually take that spot? Do you think he's going to come off the bench initially? How, how do you think that's going to work out? I think he's probably going to come off the bench, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the closer. Yeah. And you, you see more lineups where it's him and Austin closing in the backcourt. Uh, but I think money talks in the NBA and D'Angelo Russell is making more money than right. Gabe Vincent. And I think there's also an element of, like I just mentioned, the Lakers probably wanting to preserve some value for D'Angelo Russell on the trade market. And, um, you know, of course, I think most teams trading for him would probably just look at him as a potentially an expiring option. He's got a player option for that second year. So he'll have some flexibility with what he wants to do. He also has say on where he goes. Technically, uh, guys who have, uh, you know, a two-year deal, with a player or team option, have veto rights uh, at the trade deadline. So you know, he can kind of say whether he wants to be in a trade or not. Uh, but I suspect if the team wants to move him, he'll probably want to be moved at that point as well if it's gotten to that point. So I think, you know, to me, I think Gabe is going to have a, a chance to start from what I've been told. And I wouldn't be surprised if he necessarily takes the starting group. But D'Angelo had a lot of success in the regular season. To me, he is a innings eater where he can have those 20, 25, 30 point games that kind of save you in the regular season. Save if, their bacon in that Memphis goes yeah, game three and, or four, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. so he, he had his moments in the playoffs, yep. but I think he's, to me, he's more of an 82 game player than a 16 yeah. game player. We've kind of seen that where, you know, the season before with, with Minnesota, he got played off the floor again yep. in that Memphis series. So for me, he's a guy, regular season, he can get you 20 any night, explode and, and be that kind of consistent guy. It's more in the playoffs where you have to worry about his shot selection, uh, maybe him getting in his head a little bit, and then defensively teams picking on him. Where as Gabe, I, I think just to me, his role probably is more ideally as a third guard. Yeah. And, and I think he kind of fits that perfectly behind Austin and D'Lo. Yeah, Kelly, I, I, in talking with Jovan, it was one of the things that kind of opened my eyes a little bit where it was one of those that thought the Lakers had a really good regular season. They should be a much better, or should be offseason, should be much better in the regular season. But I was kind of looking and going like, you know, there's some questions I still have, and I can't really figure out why a lot of people don't seem to have those questions. And it opened my eyes more to like, no, I, th I think I'm right to have some of those questions. You know, okay. Gabe Vincent is a really good example. Gabe Vincent is viewed to be, I think, overall, an upgrade over D'Angelo Russell type, okay? Gabe Vincent's a career, as we've mentioned there, 33% shooter. A career 33% shooter. If you look at what this team is going to look like from a shooting standpoint, you still have questions about Rui Hachimura. Hachimura had a good postseason. He's still a career, what are we talking about? 34% shooter who shot 29% from three for the Los Angeles mm -hmm. Lakers. You know, you're still looking around and going, okay, well, maybe shooting is still going to kind of be a question here. Backup center, if you go get Christian Wood, I know you'd be excited about that. But again, 
who's you who are you really using to defend a Nikola Jokic type once you get into the postseason? I think there's still some real questions about what the Lakers are going to be as you enter the post or excuse me, the regular season. Yeah, totally. I think that I mean look, I'm just gonna hit on the last one quick. How many how many people really have an, a great answer to someone like Nikola Jokic, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's gonna have to be done with multiple pieces. Uh they'll figure it out here. I think Christian Wood, someone unlike a Jackson Hayes who could spread the court a little bit more, makes even more sense for a team like that. I think it would be a great pickup. All right, we'll wrap it up. We got the last 10 minutes here on a numbers game. Plenty left to get to before we hand it off to the Lombardi line. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. If you're planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Visit BetMGM.com for terms. Got to be 21. New and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem 1-800-GAMBLER is the number. Are you betting on the Major League Baseball All-Star game? I highly doubt it, JBT. But what do we what do we have? Uh, AL minus one fifteen. Uh, yeah, I'm going to double check right now and see what the updated odds are. I think it's uh, somewhere in that range. I think. Look, I wasn't really sure. Actually, uh, DraftKings has pick other spots minus one fifteen, so we're pretty much there. Okay. Um, and seven and a half. Yes, seven and a half. I guess the total intrigued me more than anything. Over under. Over. The the totals of Major League Baseball All Star games are interesting, only in that, like in in games like. Like the NBA All-Star game, we'll use as an example. Yeah. You know, you're playing two ways. Defense optional. Defense optional. (laughs) You kind of just want to show out and do everything. But for pitchers, it's just like one thing where it's like, if I go out, it's not like they want to go out there and be like, here you go, man. They're the one that looks like, you know, a dip ass when they give up a home run. They're the ones that suffer. You can't lightly pitch (laughs) any day, right? Right. (laughs) You're throwing, you're throwing. So I, I, I think that there's a sense of just like, Okay, maybe they're just throwing fastballs. Maybe they're not really trying to overextend themselves. Maybe that's what it is. But the totals have always kind of gotten me because, like, while well, you have the best there, I feel like pitchers of all of the all-star games in, like, in any of the major sports would probably be the ones who are like, no, I'm not, not going to go out there and just serve up meatballs yeah. and look like a meatball myself 
being the one guy that maybe goes out there and gets blasted because he doesn't care. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. That was the uh, – I think that's – it's still the the closest thing I would have to a bet tonight. But, no, this is – I say this every year, but I, I always have more interest in betting the home run derby than I do the all-star game. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I don't know if it really did change much because you got away from the all-star game means something format. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, like, because I always thought, too, you know, if you were – like, this year would be the example. Like, if you were on the Royals and your team had 20 wins coming into the all-star break, but you were an all-star – were you really fighting because the American League needed home field, you know, in the World <laughs> Series? I mean, that part, like what you're talking about right there was always, that part was always weird about the All-Star yeah. game, but I don't know, man. Like, I'm a casual baseball fan. I'm, I know 99% of people don't care about that rule changing out there, but like, at least it kind of gave me a reason to pay attention to it of like, hey, like this is the winner here is going to have home field advantage. Like it's a terrible rule. It is a terrible rule that was in place if you actually love baseball. But for someone like me who's casual, a casual fan, just giving giving me a reason to ch- tune into the game. Uh, all right. Like at least it did that. Yeah, I got nothing betting the all-star game. Yeah. No. No. I, there was one year where I was actually filling in on a numbers game and our former colleague here, Jeff Fogle and I like every pitcher, we broke down like they're expected feeling independent and like looking at all these guys. And it's just like, I haven't found myself thinking like, man, what am I doing here? Like, it's <laughs> yeah, an all-star yeah, game. Who cares? Just go out there and bet. I know people are going to bet it just like people bet the all-star game and all these other sports that have something. But if you're hardcore handicapping this and looking for insight, I have my doubts as to how accurate that's going to be. Have I gotten to – do we talk about this? No, because they no, announced I it on Saturday. No, I want you to talk about it. Yeah, we yes. haven't talked about this. So Because you came up with NBA in-season tournament. We'll go through all the details here in yeah. a sec. But you you did a great job punching up some odds and actually WinBet put up some odds. So we oh, did they really? Them. Yes. Okay. So uh, the NBA in-season tournament was announced over the weekend. It was Saturday evening that they announced the, the full format of the NBA Cup. NBA Con. I, I like it. <laughs> I, well, it was at NBA Con. Right, yeah, yeah. But they announced Are we actually the NBA... calling it the NBA Cup? Yeah, no, it, yeah, that's what it's called. So it's the NBA Cup. That wow. was announced at NBA Con. I mean, I guess it's better than in-season tournament, but not much. And the winners of your NBA in-season tournament, like yeah, <laughs> the winner of the NBA Cup, like that's a little bit better, I guess. So uh, all thirty teams divided into six groups, uh, th- uh, you know, six groups of five, uh, three groups per conference. Teams are going to play four group games between November twenty-third to the twenty-eighth, Tuesday, Friday nights. Games count toward regular season as well. It'll come up again. We'll reiterate. Um, election day is not going to count. That's November seventh. They won't have games on that day. They did. They, the NBA doesn't um, quarterfinals, December 4th to the 5th. Those will be played on home courts. Then semifinals in Vegas, December 7th championship in Vegas on December 9th. So the way it works, you get your winner, your group, your best record in those groups. You get two wild cards, one from each conference to make up four teams total on each side of the bracket. Now I was bored the other day. This doesn't really tie into the NBA Cup itself, but I was going through some of the odds to kind of get some measure of what you would consider maybe the hardest group to be, Kelly. So if you're going by odds to win a championship or collective odds and total implied probability of winning a championship using DraftKings numbers, uh, West B would be your theoretically hardest group, or at least a collective group that has the highest odds of winning a championship. 29.4% is collective odds to win the NBA Finals, and I put the prices next to them, how it would convert to it. So West B, theoretically your hardest group at 29.4%, 25.2% for West A, 22.8% uh, for East B, East C is at 20%, West C, 11.7%, and East A, 11.5%. 
So if you look at it overall, these are the groups, and this is how it stands. I'm going to ask you, how about this? Because I haven't seen the odds yet, so I'm looking at this now. If we could throw this up. East Group C, give me every bit as we sit here today. Do you know what team I'm going to say? Oof. Uh, East Group C. Yeah, Orlando Magic. The team that went... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Three and one straight up, four zero against the spread against the Boston Celtics last season. That I think you can make the argument is actually the second best team in that group. Give me every bit of the Orlando Magic at plus six fifty to win East Group C. Yeah, I hear you. So you you did the odds for the for the groups, which is cool. WinBet didn't post those. No, of course, yeah. But like that that was cool. I thought it was a great breakdown by you, so I wanted to hit that first before we got these. But did, WinBet did post odds to come out of each group. I'm, I'm with you. I didn't really look over these that, that closely, but yeah, I'm with you on that one. Because here's the thing, and Parles and I talked about this on Sunday, and, and Parles brought this up, and it's a really, really good point. This is going to be interesting. Look, these games do count towards regular season. So there is going to be, like, I think we're talking too much about this motivation thing. Regular season games matter. Sure, yeah. And if you look at the Western Conference and the way it broke down last year, all of those games, it was chaos at the end of the year, trying to decide the seeding in the last few days because of everything that happened. So these games matter. And for a team like Orlando, how about this, Kelly? A team that try is going to try to fight their way into the play-in, right? A team that doesn't, this is important, ready for this? Yeah. That doesn't have a max contract on its roster, $500,000 is going to matter to a young team for each player. Sure. It's going to matter for a young team like the Orlando Magic, who are already talented in their own right and might actually be kind of good this year. Orlando is like a really interesting one of those teams where you're kind of looking around and going, like, yeah, it's a team that wants to win as regular many regular season games as possible, that wants that money for a lot of its young players who are, yes, making good money, but still 500 k would really matter for a lot of them. Like, those, I think, are what you're looking for in these. I think teams yeah. like the Bucs and the Celtics, 76ers, they'll all try. But at the end of the day, the added motivation bit, I think you're looking for teams like Orlando to maybe come into this thing and have some success. Nah, I'm, no, I'm, I think that's a great breakdown. Actually, I, you're absolutely right. With the, the players that are on the team, that money will matter more. I think we're making too big of a deal. Like you said, I think we're making too big of a deal of the money mattering anyways. Like I said, these are all regular season games. Regular season still matter. Like It's not like these games matter less now that they're a part of this tournament. So, mm-hmm. whatever. Hey, let's just do let's do the way too early pick a bet in every one of these groups already. Okay. Because I, I, I think you're dead on that magic one is I think would be a great bet. You know where I'm going group a Atlanta four to one. I'm getting four to one on Atlanta. I'll, I'll take some of that. Yep. I agree. Okay. It was going to be Atlanta or, or Indiana. Okay. Group B's tougher. I'm going to go bucks here. Give me I'll the be, Knicks. I'll be boring, but because like, I don't think we're going to hold this to us uh, July 11th. Let's go. Give me the Knicks. I love it. All I right. think it's going to be cool. There's no harm in doing something like this. <laughs> no, there's, not, there's not. All right. West group a, Oh man, this one's tough. Give me the Blazers. Abby, hey, we're sitting here Damian July 11th. Might be on the team. You got to go Blazers right now. <laughs> 12 to 1 on that? You got to go Blazers right now. Mavericks, I, can I tell you, I kind of like what the Mavericks did. I've been trying to get somebody from Dallas, uh, and we're hopefully we can get them on at some point this week. Okay. I kind of like what the Mavericks did this offseason. Give me the Mavericks plus 330. I think this is the toughest one I've seen yet. Yeah. Um, and by the way, that's that's the highest collective group in terms of odds to win a championship. That would theoretically be the toughest oh, group. Oh, that was your yep, that, that's that was the top B. one. That yep. makes sense. Um, man, I'll be boring here and go Nuggets, I guess. All right. And then West Group C. Oof. Give me the Thunder. I was gonna say Let's I was. Go. I wish I was getting a better number on that, yeah. but I. I, I'm going Thunder with you, man. I'm going the, Thunder with. At you. At the end of the day, I said, that team is going to be real this yes. year. Two we things. had fun with them last year. Yep. This upcoming season, this team is real. 
two things about this thing overall. First off, there's no harm. It's regular season games, just a little added like thing at the end where we get to see two neutral site or three neutral site games in Las Vegas. And also, if you're really complaining about it, you see the in-season tournament odds to win the NBA Cup. If you're really complaining about it, remember what you thought about the play-in. Everybody complained about what the play-in is. It's turned out to be brilliant. There's no harm in trying anything like this. All right, we're all done. Uh, That's it for a numbers game here. Check out anything you missed up on the website, vcin.com in the podcast section. Lombardi Line coming at you next. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.